Welcome to Barren Not Broken. This is your host, Bonnie Ruth, and I am so excited for today's episode with my friend Joby Tyson. She is a researcher, founder of Tutum Global, founder of Childless Women Wellness Platform, editor-in-chief of Tutum Journal, and we met through social media, um, which is really cool um, to like find a community of people who are walking similar um, life journeys And this woman just immediately um, was someone that I was like, okay, I, I want to connect with her. I want to champion her and the things that she's doing to be a voice in the childless community. And so she was so kind to invite me um, to do a podcast with her. And I've been a part of the Tudum Journal, which is just an incredible honor. Um, Please check out the Tudum Journal, because it is so powerful. And I know you're going to tell us a little bit about it, Joby, but I just want to give a shout out to all of these platforms and things that you've created to be an advocate for the childless community. And man, it's incredible. It's exciting. Um, You are someone who from day one has um, lit a fire in my heart that my story can just be a platform in which other people can be championed. Other women can experience healing. Um, You have this gift and way of gathering people together. And it's just been such an honor to, even though we have never met in person, (laughs) I love that um, we have some like-mindedness in different areas. And that's just been such a gift to me. And then just to learn from you, learn from you as the boss babe, badass woman that you are, and then also just how you have um, been an advocate for this community. So thank you for being who you are. Um, thank you for allowing me to to champion this community with you. I'm so honored that you've brought me along the journey, and I'm excited to have you along this journey with Baron Not Broken. So thank you for being here today. <laughs> Whoa, uh, what an intro. <laughs> yeah, girl. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Bonnie Ruth. It's so good to be here. What yes. an honor. <laughs> well, I'm glad. And I, I always tell our listeners, like, no matter um, where you are in your story, if you are a woman and or a couple that's trying to conceive and build your family or you are a woman who has chosen to be childless, or you're childless not by choice, we can always learn from each other's stories. And I think it's really important to remember that every story matters. And there are, we all have barren places in our lives, but we don't have to live broken. And I think the way that we do that is learning from each other. And so I hope the listeners today, as you start sharing, are just going to lean in because you you have a story and you have a way of allowing it to have purpose and impact on other people's lives. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So as you said, my name is Joby Tyson and I am the founder of Tutum Global, which is a wellness platform for and by childless women. But how I got to this point was for 20 years, I was hidden in shame and silence because I had unexplained infertility Mm. and doctors 
continuously told me that all of my tests came back on normal so that I could have a child, but obviously that wasn't the case. Yeah. And un- unfortunately, um, a hysterectomy ended up telling me the truth. Wow. And um, I, I had endometriosis and also inside my uterus, it was found that I had itemized, um, which wow. is found inside, which is the reason that w- it wasn't detected. Although now I feel like technology is better and yeah. it can be detected now. So I've really been spreading that word to women who are struggling yeah. with infertility to get that test done. Yeah, so what I did was I wrote a, a article to just share um, with because I've never shared it before. I just wrote an article. I started writing on Medium about my hidden silence, um, over 40 and childless. And so many women around the world reached out to me from writing that article. Yeah. And because I, I did research on myself, actually, I found out that I had idiomyosis. The doctor didn't tell me that. Then it was later confirmed. And so I just kind of like inadvertently became a leader in this space because other women wanted me to research what was going on with them. And um, I just started doing that. And that's kind of like, I started doing surveys and a lot of research. And then that's kind of how Tudum Global was born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, girl. Isn't it crazy how, um, I, I think many of us can relate to like incorrect diagnosis or Mm -hmm. lack of diagnosis and Mm -hmm. what an impact that has on the process of our journey or what an impact that has on ourselves, how we see ourselves, how we navigate our life choices. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us a little bit kind of about, you know, you've, you've gone through how many years of, how many years was it between like not knowing and then having your hysterectomy? 20 Okay. It was 20 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of brought you to the place of deciding to have a hysterectomy? Was it the chronic pain? Was it just, um, what were kind of the things that were happening both physically and emotionally that kind of led you to that decision? Well, if initially I wasn't going in for a hysterectomy, I was going in for endometrial oh. ablation wow. because my pain was so unbearable but it was since I was 13. So it was normal to me, Yeah, you know, and it was normal to my mom. Yeah. And so I always just thought period pain was normal, but it's not. And then my, my flow was so heavy that I, one time I had to have a blood transfusion. Mm-hmm. And so it was, and it was regular. So I couldn't even plan out events in my life Yeah, and it would affect my job. It would affect my life, my personal life. So it just came to a point where I was just tired and yeah. um, I was getting anemic. And um, so, and I was on birth control, which I didn't want to be on because yeah. that's messing with your psyche too. I, I call that the crazy drug girl. It, yeah, does, it just I'm makes me you. crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, but it messes with your psyche too because yeah. you're on birth control, but you're dealing with infertility. Does, exactly. does it make it make sense, you know? Yeah. So yeah. when I went in for endometrial ablation, I, I think a lot had to do with my age at the time. I was 41 and a half. And um, so he just said, you know, at this point, yeah. um, I would suggest a hysterectomy because if I give you an endometrial ablation, it's really probably not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I got the hysterectomy, but what I was not prepared for was the hysterectomy, hysterectomy grief Yeah. Um, of grieving now um, being a wombless woman. 
And but at the it, now I'm at the end permanently at the end of my infertility journey. So yeah. that was a a whole thing within itself to um, cope with. And I don't think, you know, cause I had my hysterectomy about a year and a half ago. I, when I turned mm-hmm. 40 yeah. um, and right in the middle of the pandemic, that was a great timing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely can relate to what you're saying of, I was not prepared for the grief. And my doctor mm-hmm. asked me, so I think I've shared this with you. Maybe like I, when I called doctors, I was like, if I'm going to do this, like I'm going to interview doctors. Cause I've had yeah. a shit ton of crappy mm-hmm. doctor yeah. experiences. Mm-hmm. And this was not yeah. one that I was going to let be crappy. So mm-hmm. I had done a bunch of research, called around, did some interviews. And this guy was the only guy who called me back and did a 30 minute conversation with me, just asking me questions. He said, I'm so sorry that you've been through this. Um, but he said to me, he goes, I will not do this for you. If you haven't come to the place where you know that you're ready to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, if I'm calling you, like, obviously I've thought through that, you know, mm-hmm. he goes, no, I need to know that, you know, that this is the right thing. Mm-hmm. And when he said that to me, it wasn't until after the hysterectomy, like I said, yes, I know that this is the right thing for me, which mm-hmm. probably for you as well. Like, it's not something I doubted. I knew it was the right thing. But that grief, that hysterectomy grief and being a, a woman without a womb anymore was yeah. like nothing I could prepare yeah. for. Uh-huh. And nobody talks about that really. I mean, uh-huh. I feel like you and I have mentioned that several times in our yeah. conversations. Uh-huh. So tell me a little bit like for but you. Just so I intersect, I actually doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, having a hysterectomy. I, okay. Because I wasn't going in for one. I was going in That's for right. something yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. felt I felt kind of forced and I felt mm-hmm. I was very hesitant. And yeah. um, but it was just like I was just tired of fighting. I didn't have any fight left anymore in me, you know. Yeah. And so that's just how it worked out with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the after part of a hysterectomy is something that and you and I have talked about like. And maybe you've found some things since we last talked. So if you have, mm-hmm. girl, spill the beans. But okay. like to, to know how to navigate it on the after part is like something that no one really talks about. I think I've found a few people in our community now that, mm-hmm. but so it's like, I've found it's like, everyone's like, oh my God, that was so freaking hard. I don't even know how to explain it. You know, like mm-hmm. how do you tell someone else how to walk through the grief of a hysterectomy. I mean, what are your tips on that? Because I still feel like there are parts of it where I'm like not fully processed yet, you know? Yeah. Well, one thing is don't let it define your womanhood Mm. because that, yeah. So that's a big thing right there because you really focus on that a lot especially right afterwards yeah. you're like yeah. you know because you we already were kind we're, we're on the fence with that before dealing with infertility yeah you know yeah. with the societal you know yeah. perceptions of what womanhood is yeah um, tying it to motherhood and now 
we're you know, without a womb. Yeah. So it's even more questionable for us. So yeah. what just if anything else, just don't allow that to define you're yeah. the same person, you know, just have less organs. That's all. <laughs> Do you think that um, because I think it's a real thing because of society and and how we attach our womanhood to motherhood? Like mm-hmm. I would tell people and jump in if if you would tell differently, but like I would tell them like, it's okay that you actually have the moment of questioning that just don't mm-hmm. let it define you. Questioning yeah. something is not a definition of something. And so for me, like I needed to know, like it was okay that I actually questioned that. Um, but I really do wish that I would have been friends with someone like you to say, Hey girl, like this does not define you, you know? Mm-hmm. Because Mm -hmm. there's a difference of questioning. And if our questioning leads us to definition, um, I think that we have to really be careful what the definition becomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think was the number one thing? Because this is something that outside of myself, I haven't had this conversation on Bear Not Broken with anyone else of like the craziness of a hysterectomy. And especially if you were not fully prepared Mm-hmm. Um, for that decision. Whereas I, I, well, I don't think anyone's fully prepared there. Yeah. We do a horrible job in the medical field of preparing people both emotionally, physically, and mentally, but, mm-hmm. um, as prepared as I could be, but yeah. either way, I think either whether we're in, in your part, part of your story or mine, I don't know that we can fully be prepared. So like, what would you tell a woman, um, who might be, navigating that decision well one thing is that oh, you're talking about before or after before, uh, you tackle whichever one was coming to your mind first well before is just doing your research especially like you mentioned for the, the yeah. right doctor yeah doing your right. research and um you know now thank god with google and more people yeah. like us speaking up about hysterectomy you um you, you'll be prepared for hysterectomy yeah. grief and you won't yeah. it won't catch you off guard And, um, and then after I would say, just be prepared that your hormones will be imbalanced or may be imbalanced. And, um, just, that's just something to expect. And there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that it's just, your body has to get used to, um, a shift that, um, you know, that wasn't there before. I mean, because you have less organs now. And then I didn't realize it was so many types. It's a total hysterectomy. It's a partial hysterectomy. And so what are are they leaving in um, ovaries or are they taking out the ovaries? So it's just so many different questions that you need to ask beforehand, because right before the surgery, I heard a nurse say, we're taking out her cervix. And I was like, crying because we didn't discuss that and I you know I didn't understand all that oh, lingo. Yeah. you know I didn't know it was attached to the uterus and really wasn't a reason to keep it yeah but and um but just oh. knowing the right questions to ask and um is exactly what they're taking out and why okay. um and if you might want to keep your ovaries and if you think you can preserve your eggs that's yeah. that's something you can do as well you know yeah I think that's such sound advice because the reality is, um, you know, that's something that I do appreciate about my doctor is he really walked through like, okay, these are, and is the first doctor to be frank that I've ever had that took the time to fully explain things to me. Cause I had had 
hysterectomy thrown at me multiple times through the 20 mm-hmm. years. Um, but this guy, he really took the time to explain to me that. And, and it helped me because, so to, to your point, what I would do is I would prepare questions. I'd Google or, or listen or find, you know, information. And I would literally go in with a list of questions and I just straight up told him, I said, Hey, I have a list of questions. If you don't have time to answer them today, then I'm going to email them to you. And I do expect an answer because Mm -hmm. I just, at that point I was done with like, you know, being mousy and not advocating for myself. And I needed to know it was a big decision. And so I'm like you, I think that's really good advice of like, ask questions, like find out. And if you don't understand something, then ask about it. And so he's still, Mm -hmm. I have my, my final checkup in January And Mm -hmm. he told, when I booked it, he was like, all right, I'll be ready for your list of questions, you know, because I come on (laughs) with my little note and, Uh um, and the hormone things. Let's, let's go back to that because I knew on some level, okay, like my hormones are going to have to be balanced out. Like somebody had told me that, well, the difference is, and, and maybe this is controversial, but (laughs) Um, my doctor saw balancing my hormones out one way, my surgeon, but I felt like I needed to go to a hormone therapy specialist because after everything I've been through, I'm not going to just chuck it up to one old way of doing it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to explore what's the best way to balance the hormones for my body. And we're a year and a half in, and I think it was about three months ago was the first time my hormone therapy doctor told me okay, I'm feeling like you're heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It took, it's taken me that long and yeah, we're not even yeah. there yet. Like my numbers, mm-hmm. my levels, all the yeah. things are not even where they need to be, but mm-hmm. it took that long to even hit a place where he's like, okay, I'm comfortable that you're moving and forward in the right direction. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really key thing. What would you kind of, what would your tips be? Cause maybe we go about it differently. Like my doctor wanted to put me on one pill and he said it was going to make everything right. And mm-hmm. then my hormone therapy doctor's like, uh, well, actually we want to check all these things, thyroids, you know, testosterone. Um, we even checked like, um, my adrenals, we checked, you know, my estrogen, my progesterone, all the things. So for me, it was important to tackle each one of those things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of what was your your process or has been your process with that balancing out your hormones? Cause to me, that's a very real. Well, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I've, I winged it for Girl. a very long time. I know. Okay. And it, I winged it because I didn't understand. No yeah. one told me about hormonal health. I'm yeah. just recently getting more abreast about it through interviews. Yeah. Um, interviewing women who um, have companies that um, focus on hormonal imbalance. Matter of fact, this current issue now, um, I yeah. interviewed someone who yeah. has Hormone University. So, re- but in her approach is um, holistic. So I'm really looking into that now. Yeah. The holistic approach to yep, um, hormonal imbalances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think, man, girl, I don't know how you did that. Hey. I mean, I thought you were <laughs> badass a before, like, a prayer. but up a level. <laughs> I know, I know. I said a wing and a prayer. Because <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. that's no joke. Like that's a very, um, a very difficult thing to, I, I think it's for me, it added to the grief. Um, mm-hmm. And may, maybe for you it did as well or didn't, but like n- 
the craziness and the ups and downs that I had already been through for 20 years. And now mm-hmm. here I am, I get the hysterectomy, I do all the things. And now I feel just as crazy as I did before, <laughs> or yeah. I'm experiencing, you mm-hmm. know, new things that I'm like, really like, this is worse than at least I knew how to deal with bleeding Uh out or feeling anemic or having doubled over in pain. Like, at least Uh I knew how to do that. I don't know how to do this, you know? Uh, So now now I'm glad I understand, you know, the mood swings and the emotional outburst. And I I didn't know what that was, you know, um, because, you know, hysterectomies even was so taboo. Yeah. Even just a few yeah. years ago, you know, exactly. so we're, we're just opening up to, to yeah. tell someone yeah. that they have a hysterectomy that, yeah. um, you know, people wouldn't even admit that years yeah. ago. So yeah. we've come a yeah, long way. Right. It's, it's definitely been a taboo topic or this is my favorite. Well, I'm being sarcastic when I say that, but <laughs> like, I've had so many women tell me like, oh yeah, I was fine. Like, I had to wait to do this and that for six weeks, but I just felt great after three weeks. And I'm like, who Mm -hmm. the hell are you? And like, what kind of superpower do you have? Because Mm -hmm. I mean, six weeks in, I work from home and I was like crying because I was going to have to go back to work. Uh Just like, it has not been an easy process for me, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, Mm -hmm. Even just recently, I started having some back problems, low back problems, never really had that. And at first they thought it was like a disc issue or whatever. And come to find out through like a massage, two different massage therapy ladies, they were like, Bonnie Ruth, you're actually having like, cause when I had my hysterectomy, I only had a partial. I left my, I chose to leave my ovaries, mm-hmm. um, which was a miracle that I could even leave them because up until that point I had had cysts all over my ovaries. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they were clear and we could leave them, was kind of a risk because I I deal with PCOS, but they say Mm -hmm. that that can tend to minimize and go away once you've hit your forties. So fingers crossed, that's the case for me. All that to say, um, I left my ovaries. Um, and then I, I just was left with like, okay, how, how am I going to go about this? What are the things I need to know? And so hysterectomy, partial hysterectomy, then they removed a fibroid the size of like a baby's head, Mm. um, TMI for any guys listening, but Mm -hmm. removed that vaginally. So I tore Mm. and then they lasered, um, and removed endometriosis all throughout. So I had Mm. three procedures in one. I never thought about it like that, Joby, Mm -hmm. like no one explained. So here I am a year and a half later, having issues and they're like, you're having like postpartum issues. Like, even though I did not deliver a baby here, I am left a year and a half later to navigate things that my body's doing and the Mm -hmm. way it's going back into place. It's like a woman who's been pregnant. And that's just even more of like, well, crap, I got to deal with this. And I didn't even get a baby out of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't want to, you had anything like that where you're like, whoa, this was this was even more than I expected it to be. Probably uncovering atomiosis because when you uncover that and realize exactly what that is and, and, and him showing me a picture of cyst and plum size cyst inside of my ovaries. Wow. And now it was making sense. 
He yeah. didn't even say what it was. He was just so excited. Like it piqued his interest. Like it was just a text, a case study for him. Yeah, yeah. But when I went and did my research on it, I realized what it was. Wow. And that was the reason that I was never conceiving because when you have that, you're not yeah. ovulating. No. And yeah, and it's causing heavy bleeding and all that. So it just all started to make sense because it's something about unexplained infertility. It's, it gave me a reason, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Finally. So yeah. if anything, it was just uncovering that. Yeah. And yeah. um, so that's when I was just able to start um owning my voice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like like for me with that example, like, you know, a lot of people have been like, you should feel fine. Like, you know, why are you still having complications or why has this been so hard for you to get over? So many people just bounce right back. And mm-hmm. it's been a real insecurity point for me of like, well, crap, am I just like so weak, you know, or, um, what's wrong with me? And, um, how have you navigated those moments where you're like, what is wrong with me and why am I not, or why is this happening? You know, kind of, how have you gotten through those moments, both like to find a place of confidence, but then also to find your voice? Well, one thing is important for me is to get annual wellness checks. Yeah. So, um, just, just to find out, um, what's deficient or not and so I just make sure that I'm up to par with that yeah and yeah so for for anything else you know just trying to eat healthy as much as I can um which doesn't happen often (laughs) when I'm working (laughs) on it (laughs) you know yeah yeah just trying to eat healthy and um just thinking positive and daily affirmations is important for me and that's why I I share it on Instagram all the time about affirmations yeah, because um, it, I just think your thoughts are just so powerful. And if you're, you're thinking that you're less than that's yeah. how you'll continue to feel. And that's how people will treat you. Yeah. So just, you know, knowing that you matter and yeah. feeling that and believing that and say it until you believe it. Yeah. Um, even if you don't right now, just, yeah. you know, having just just confidence in yourself because. Yeah. You are important. And just yeah. like anyone else, it d- doesn't equate anything, you know? That's good. That's really good. Um, I had told you the topic for this would be like, who are we without children? And yeah. I think you just nailed it. Like <laughs> we are who we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yes, what we've been through is part of our story, but it's not who we are. And I love that about you because you definitely step into like, Hey, this is something I'm going to advocate for something. I'm going to speak up for something that I care about. It's something that I've been through, but it's not who I am. And you've just been such an encouragement to this community on, this is not who we are (laughs) there. Mm -hmm. You know, who we are is insert. Like you and I love to talk about like purpose. Mm -hmm. We've talked about Mm -hmm. how if we only have one purpose and we hit it, then, then what, you know, like that's boring. Like there's Mm -hmm. so much purpose in us that there doesn't have to be just one thing that we accomplish one purpose that we have. And I would say like, you really live that out beautifully of like, that's who you are. You're just going after the purpose that's on the inside of you. So kind of tell me a little bit about what's kept you in that drive, you know, how do you navigate your emotions and your determination at the same time of like, you're a very determined person, but also there's a lot of emotions that, that have to be navigated with what we've walked through. Well, it just came to a point where, first of all, I came to a realization that I have been childless my entire life. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So 
so I've been focusing on what I didn't have instead of just embracing who I am yeah and stepping into who I am and loving who I am because instead of the life once hoped for yeah because if you get if you get stuck there you can't, you, you're not going to move forward, you know, and we're a lot of times we're stuck in that space in between. Yeah. And I just had to get out of it because I had to realize that motherhood doesn't equate womanhood. Yeah. And when I realized that I was able to really help other women um, find purpose and be able to properly cope with childlessness and yeah. realize their value to society and to family and to self. Yeah. And to focus on the whole person, not just part of your story. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's really good. So when you, when you think about, okay, who you are, but yet you're such an advocate in this community of childlessness, how have you been able to be in that community, um, really champion, be an advocate, speak up, um, and, and really honestly, like, it's, it's part of your purpose, right? But at the mm-hmm. same time, it not being who you are. And so how, how do you kind of keep the emotional dynamic with that? Like you're championing this whole community, but at the same time, you've, you've got to navigate your own emotional um, capacity in that. Yeah, because it's very important for me to, you know, to usher our stories into the permanent archives so that, um, our oral history can be where it's always belonged. And it is, it can get heavy at times, um, championing and helping out um, women um, globally. And, um, but you can't pour from an empty cup. So I just try to find ways to fulfill myself. And, and, you know, one time I'll give you an example Mother's Day never bothered me because I realized thinking back on it, I would always just focus on my sisters and my mom, yeah. and my yeah. grandma, and just make it a big day about them. And I never even considered myself, you know, and um, but the first Mother's Day when I was with Tudum Global, that whole week and preceding mm-hmm. week, I was really just trying to get the women yeah. prepared, mentally prepared and that Mother's Day came and I didn't get out of bed until 2 oh, p.m. <laughs> it hit hard. Yeah, it hit me. And I was like, I never, I just think all that energy kind of yeah. came to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, ha- I, I just, re- I had to learn from there. I yeah. have to shake that off and not um, consume myself like that anymore because it can get heavy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I have people like you and um, that, I can vent to and talk to and not keep it in and not just be the person who only, you know, um, helps and supports others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. That's good. I think that's a key thing too, is like, I have found, um, or let me say it this way. I'm finding ways to connect with more women in this community because, um, I, I can't expect my friends who don't understand or haven't walked through this. Maybe they've mm-hmm. walked with me. That's different, no. but haven't walked through this to understand a moment. Like, for example, um, I can just be, Oh, I know. Here's a great example. We were at um, a Christmas production and there were all these kids in the Christmas production. And, you know, we were there with some other couples. It's not like, 
you know, I, I wasn't expecting to necessarily like think or feel anything. Um, Mm. but it was like, oddly enough, it was, you know, the story of Mary and Jesus and, um, in the production, she was sharing via song, like, this is such a heavy thing. Like I'm carrying the savior of the world from, you know, from the, the biblical perspective. And she was just like standing there singing. And all of a sudden I'm like crying. Mm. And the reason why I was crying is because I felt like, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to experience this sense of, you know, here she was just a young mother feeling the, the weight of becoming a mom. And what is that going to look like? And can I do it? And I was like, randomly enough, I thought of all the things, there's all these kids in it. There's all this cute stuff happening. And that's the thing that like triggers me. And I was just not expecting it, but I just felt within myself, like, but wait, you are an advocate for people. You are you do have a mother's heart. So you are, you do know what it's like to carry the weight of other people. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think that that's what I heard in your story of like that weight just hit you. And I, I think we have to know ourselves to know in our relationships or even in the the community that we're helping, we've got to know how to navigate that dynamic of we're carrying a weight for other people or with other people, but we've got to have people in our lives that just Mm -hmm. understand because my friendships outside of someone like you, they can only carry me so much. And I cannot Mm -hmm. expect them to understand that moment sitting in that Christmas production, like me explaining that to you and and you shaking your head and smiling and being like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. is going to be different than them showing compassion because they don't mm-hmm. understand. Yeah. Um, and so I think it is important that we have people in our lives and I'm, I'm learning to, to navigate that and to, to gain that in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's been such a blessing to have people like you that, you know, I know you're going to put those affirmations out there. So I just go search. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's wise advice. Like, just being able to know when you are carrying something to a point in which it's not healthy for you, yeah. but then yeah. also to know that it's okay that it hit you and you couldn't get out of bed till two o'clock. Yeah. You know, yeah. you gave yourself the space for that. Um, what would you say is kind of one of the major things? And I, I feel like all of our stories are different. So yours will be different than mine, but what is one of the major things that you've had to navigate um, in relationships that are not in this childless community, what's the major thing you've had to navigate with relationships and people in your life as you've walked this? Well, one thing is managing childlessness in a family full of children. Wow. Yeah. And for the parents in the family to understand yeah. and, or try to understand, um, you know, um, my journey. And that, you know, being the, the lone childless relative um, can be, you know, uh, lonely. And yeah. for them just to understand and be compassionate and empathetic That's for good. my feelings and, um, and my grief, yeah. because it's valid, even though it's considered invisible loss, yeah. it's still valid nevertheless. Intangible loss is a loss, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so just for them to try to start understanding because I wrote an article about what to do when your family avoids the topic of infertility. Yeah. And um, it really opened up a conversation because I had a childless aunt 
who I remember family members would talk about why she was childless when she wasn't around. Wow. And I, when I became the childless aunt, I wanted to break that. Um, I wanted to break that stigma and I wanted to own my voice and I wanted to control my narrative so that there would be no question to why I am childless. And I wanted them to know that it's an open dialogue at any time. And it's a welcome space if they have questions and and concerns because I just didn't want, when I'm no longer here, there'll be whispers to why Auntie Jovi was childless. I would like to um, share my own story. Yeah, no, that's so good. Um, Yeah. Other, we could unpack that for like a whole episode I feel like mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's navigating that with family and close friends is one of the most difficult dynamics I think because you are the one grieving but you're also the one having to educate mm-hmm. and you're also the one having to sometimes be the bigger person yeah um even if someone isn't meaning to put you in that position Um, and I think just knowing that you stepped into a space where you're like, and it is that way as well with, with like my parents and my brother and sister-in-law and my nephews, they even know, like, you know, they call me boo-boo, boo-boo can't have babies. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's some cute stories around that, but, um, definitely I've had to step into a space in which I let them know, like, it's okay. We can talk about it. Mm-hmm. And even with my friendships, I don't want it to be something that we can't talk about, yeah. but I think where it gets difficult for me is then when there are spaces and time in which it's difficult for me. And that's when sometimes it becomes an off topic or, yeah. or not brought up or, or they don't step into that space with me, but they know it's happening. Yeah. And that's really hard for me. Like I struggle with with not feeling very frustrated about that. Like if you're sensing it, like I've already given you permission, like don't just step into it when it's not hard, but step into it with me when it's difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think sometimes maybe that's just out of people's fear or unknowing or not wanting to hurt me anymore, but I'd rather you step in and try than, than not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And people tend to, for some reason, want to fix things. Mm-hmm. And some things you just can't fix. Mm-hmm. So I would rather, you know, people just listen that, that that's never yeah. experienced it instead yeah. of trying to give unsolicited advice. And yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. And because that, you, that just makes it more difficult. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it makes it harder to navigate. Um, so I had a conversation with my mom even just the other day. Um, and it was kind of a, a, um, a moment where I was like, dang, that's, that's something that no one understands that hasn't gone through this. But so I had Mm -hmm. all of my baby blankets and, um, of course, you know, we had saved them, whatever, for when we have a baby, hopefully a girl, um, Mm -hmm. we have a girl in heaven, but we've still always wanted a girl. Well, one of my best friends is having a baby girl Mm -hmm. and I've, I've held on to them because I'm like, there's three particular baby blankets. And I felt like I was supposed to keep them, which was really hard decision. Cause I just wanted to get it all out at one point, 
but mm-hmm. I knew there was going to be some specific people that when they have babies, I would love for them. I'd rather do that than it go in the trash or go to Goodwill, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I gave it to my, my friend and I was telling my mom about it. And my mom started crying and, um, <laughs> She later on was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I hope that wasn't, you know, awkward for you and your friend, but it, it hit her. It was her baby blanket first. Like she purchased that blanket or received that blanket as a gift for me, but Mm -hmm. she received Mm -hmm. it first. Mm -hmm. And so there's a dynamic that like literally most people, you know, my friend's never going to think about that or, Mm -hmm. you know, even myself, I hadn't even thought about it. And so it was just a moment of like, what we've walked through is so much bigger than even ourselves. It affects the people that do care about us. And to know that my mom still has her own grief, that her daughter is not having a child. And it's never been like this, she puts that on me or it's my fault, but I have to be understanding that this highly affects her as well. So how have you kind of, have you had any moments like, like that or similar, or how have you navigated things where it's like, what's happened to you is, is something that's only yours, but yet it does affect those who care about you most. Well, I mean, my mom, she, she's experienced this with me from the beginning because I used to be married and, you know, we tried to have a child in the beginning and so then there are always those moments, you know, where you would think you were pregnant and your body wouldn't really make you feel like you were. And, I, you know, you and she and I would celebrate. Yeah. And then the period comes yeah. on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. that's happened so many times. Yeah. But and, yeah. and even with that respect, she still sometimes says something. Yeah. That heart hurts my feelings. Yeah. And even though she's been with through me, yeah. you know, through with me through thick and thin, you know, she's, yeah. but she's trying to fix it. Cause she's a mom, you know what I mean? Yeah, she cares. And so yeah. yeah. She'll say something like, you know, why don't you just adopt or yeah. all these kids out here. Yeah. And, and that's just, and I, and I, I run a global network and I still deal with that with my mom. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, we're continuously educating, yeah. you know, and yeah, just bringing awareness to, um, to them so that they can know eventually that, that's just not um, something that you say. So yeah, I just um, deal with it, um, how it comes. And, yeah. you know, my sisters, they are very supportive. And yeah. um, they, they're they my two, my youngest sisters, who they both are mothers. All of my siblings are parents with me. Okay. So I just um, love on their kids. And, yeah. um, and they just, you know, I'm, I'm the cool aunt. And yeah. um, I, I wear that with a badge bonner. Yeah. So yeah, same. Yeah, right. so. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. So I've um, on my side with my brother, there's three boys mm-hmm. and um, we just have like such a special relationship with the three of them. Mm-hmm. And there's two really cute stories. Um, one of them, my husband was playing basketball outside with them and they were like, don't tell our parents, but you could be our parents too, because you are a great dad. Uh-huh. And like, it just touched his heart, you know? Uh-huh. And then, um, another time they were just like, we know that you can't have kids, but we just want you guys to know that you would be great parents. And like, you know, they, it's just so precious. Like, and there's moments Uh like that where you're like, 
you know, you know that you're investing your love and your mm-hmm. legacy and mm-hmm. the parts yeah. of you that mm-hmm. were created to give to another person, whether it's, yeah. uh, you know, motherhood or fatherhood or not, you're, mm-hmm. you're, we're all created to invest love into another person. Mm-hmm. And so it's so great to see when, like you said, you get to be the aunt and, and they love you and you wear that with a badge because you're yeah. still created and made to impart love and to impart uh-huh part of who you are into other people. And so I love that you're doing that not only with Tudum Global, but you're doing that with the people in your life. You're educating them. You're, you're bringing them to a place of knowledge and understanding. And, and yet you still have to navigate, you know, Mm -hmm. the unwanted questions and things, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and sadly, I don't know that we'll ever get away from that, but I think it's so powerful to see, Um, the community that we get to be a part of, we really care about helping other people know how to communicate with our community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, So it's, I'm sorry that we've both had to experience those moments, but I also think we're choosing not to let it lock us down and investing love in others, you know, especially our nieces and nephews, right? Mm -hmm. Aunt life is the best life. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm glad that you said it, legacy because so many women in our community feel like you can't leave a legacy just because you don't have children or offspring. Yeah. And that's not true No, it's because not. a legacy lives on through every life you touch. That's right. So if you think of it like that, yeah. your legacy will live on, you know, um, so it doesn't have anything to do with children, yeah, um, a legacy. Is. So I just really want to leave that with your listeners, if anything else. Oh, yeah. I think that's amazing. I, I echo that a thousand percent. Like, and they, they are used to hearing that. Like mm-hmm. our legacy is not defined by our bloodline. Mm-hmm. And I think so, so many times society only packages it in that way. And it's not, it's our legacy is that we were, like I said, all created to invest love in, in other people and how we, you know, share who we are and share our story. Like, like I said earlier, I believe every story matters. That's our legacy. It's our story. And that lives on in every person that we invite into our world and that we get to be invited into theirs. And that's a pretty dang cool thing. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. ongoing. Like it, Mm -hmm. it's like, it echoes Mm -hmm. out non, there's no stop to it. And um, so, yeah, I hope the listeners will catch that no matter what their story is like, Mm -hmm you are, your legacy is so much bigger than your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, mm-hmm. your grandparents. That's a powerful thing. It's a beautiful thing, but it's only yeah. part of your legacy. And um, Jace and I are, are really passionate about that because it, we are writing our legacy and we're mm-hmm. writing it differently. It's un, quote unconventional, but yeah. you better believe we're going to, we're going to go out Mm-hmm. writing a legacy that's powerful mm-hmm. and beautiful and impactful mm-hmm. and, and made a difference. Um, yeah. so I, I just, I echo that. And if we don't say anything else, I agree. Like <laughs> that was good. Um, uh-huh. so as we're kind of wrapping up, what would you say, um, to the listeners, what would be, um, the number one thing that you would want them to walk away outside of the, the really good um, stuff you just dropped about legacy. Um, what's kind of like the top thing that you feel like you just want to keep echoing out. It's part of your legacy to just impart this in, into people. Okay. So the first thing I'll repeat that motherhood does not equate womanhood. Yeah. 
and also to own your voice because openness and sharing your story will in turn become someone else's survival guide. Yeah. So that's so important for you all to know. And then because our silence can further perpetuate the stigma attached to female childlessness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and lastly, you are enough. Yeah, that's good. I love that you, you stand on that platform. Well, and you know, I think if there's anything I would, I would add to that is that I hope the listeners will understand that their story is ongoing being written. It's not done. Um, whether they have kids or not, it's not the end of the story. It's just a chapter. And I just really believe that there's so much to the pages of our story and we get to choose if it ends there or not. We get to choose if our impact um, ends there or not. And if our joy, if our, our relationships, if the things that bring us happiness and purpose, we actually have the power to choose if it stops there or not. Yeah. And I just really believe that if they'll take in the things that you're saying, um, regardless of where we are in our story, right? Even if it's not about childlessness, like don't let something that's happened to you be the only definition of who you are and where you're going in your life. Yeah. Um, and you asked me one time, you know, why did you choose the name Baron Not Broken? Like Baron's such a stigma. And I said, yeah, it is. But I want people to understand that I'm barren, but I am definitely not broken. Mm -hmm. And there may be uh, this thought about barrenness and that it's like, you know, the worst thing ever. And really, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's difficult. And I'm not going to lie. It does suck. Like physically, it sucks. Emotionally, it sucks. Like There's no way around acting like it's not a difficult thing to navigate. But Mm -hmm. I am not my barrenness. You know, I am not the barrenness in any area of my life, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just appreciate that you also stand on that and champion that we don't have to live our lives broken, you know, just, we don't. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So really quick, before we wrap up, I want you to tell them how they can find Tudum Global. Um, I know we can find you on social media and YouTube, but if you were to tell someone just jumping into Tutum Global um, or Tutum Journal, what what is the first thing you want them to go to? Well, you can go to the homepage, Tutum Global, T-U-T-U-M, global.com. Yep. And um, because it's a community and it's a conversation and and then we have tutumjournal.com, which I actually, it could be found on tutumglobal.com okay. where um, you could subscribe or get an issue for our, a digital copy for our magazine because that's uh, just a global network that brings cultural content to you and really champions the significance of childless women. Yeah. And then you can follow us at uh, Instagram at childless women. Yeah. And then YouTube, um, it's youtube.com slash childless women, yeah. facebook.com slash childless women. So everything is childless women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really hope they'll check out the December issue of Tudum Journal because it is freaking awesome. Like the that, cover, that, was, that yeah. cover, girl, that cover is like, that's going to go down in history. Like it yeah. is epic. It is. Yeah. I was like, I just. I, I, tr- I was trying to think of how can I do this without just being boxes of women, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so I was like, 
at first I was doing the 25 that I did on the page. Yeah. And I was like, that's not impactful enough. Yeah. So I, I went and found a, a, I said a pencil sketcher. So I, I found a cool. pencil and Yeah. So I just was really um, in awe of curating that issue because to find 25 women across five continents spanning three generations, yeah. um, sharing their stories of becoming childlessness, childless, and also that I am powerful affirmation. Yeah. It was really powerful to curate. Yeah. Yeah, girl, it was, <laughs> I, mean, I, I knew what you were doing, but when I saw it, I was like, dang, <laughs> yeah. so, powerful. so I hope the listeners will go check out for sure the December issue, but all of it is just so impactful and encouraging and it's real. Like that's what I appreciate about it is every mm-hmm. person that you've had participate in, in, in writing or contributing in some capacity, they've all been so real and relatable and encouraging because mm-hmm. um, just like we say all the time in our community, like the childless life, whether it's childless by choice or not, it does mm-hmm. not have to be an ugly thing. It can be very yeah. beautiful. And maybe mm-hmm. it takes some, some navigating and healing to feel like it's mm-hmm. beautiful, but it, it's yeah. still beautiful and it can, it can be a fulfilling, incredible life. And so you do a great job of visually of showing that and then just bringing in voices that affirm that. So Thank you for Thank being you. here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for you having me, Bunny Ruth. You're so fun. <laughs> and I always just um, leave talking with you a better person and feeling um, just feeling inspired. And I get emotional because you just are one of the first people that let me know it was going to be okay. Oh, and, just, and you're the same for me, Bunny <laughs> Ruth. You are, you're like a ball, ball of energy. You're always so motivating. I mean, I feel like sometimes I'm going to church when I'm talking to you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you listeners for joining us. I hope you have felt encouraged. I hope you have taken in the pieces and nuggets that Joby shared that are right for your story. Take them, apply them. Um, engage in them, process them, let them become your own tools and nuggets to thrive and, and to live a life that isn't broken. So we appreciate you. We look forward to speaking with you next time and have a great day.